0: Welcome to The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. How did you learn math? Did you count on your fingers, memorize the times tables, or use flashcards? However you learned math, it was probably different than how kids are learning math now. Today, we're talking to Kristen Wiley, a math resource teacher, and Kim Harris, a sixth-grade teacher at Saratoga Elementary School about how math instruction has changed, and where it might go in the future. But before we hear from the two educators, I thought it might be interesting to quiz some of my colleagues about elementary math facts. You're listening to The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Adam. How are you? Great. Uh, I wanted to quiz you on some elementary math questions here. You got a minute? Sure. So uh, what is 7 times 9?
1: 7 times 9, I think, is 63.
0: And how did you get the answer?
1: Memorization.
0: Just memorized it. OK, what about 6 times 8?
1: 48. Memorized. No. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad memorization.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you got no. that was right, right? Yeah,
1: 48.
0: Um, so how do you use math in your job, or do you?
1: Uh, yeah, we use math in our job, I think for time timing purposes we use it so there's a lot of adding and subtracting so yes we do use math okay. okay
0: I'm really bad at math so this is gonna be interesting that's okay um so Natalie what is 8 times 7 56 and how did you get that I don't know it was a memory thing just straight memory <laughs> yes what about 6 times 9 oh, gosh. 6 times 9 63? Is it? No, it's not. <laughs> what is <this? laughs> I told you I was bad at math. I get anxiety. Now I'm all flushy. <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't be flushy. Um, so the memory is failing you for that one. Yes, yes. it is. Okay. Absolutely, yes. So do you use math in your job at all? I do, but I have a calculator for those things. So you use the calculator? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Mish, um, gonna quiz you on some math facts. You ready? Yes. Uh, what is 8 times 7? Fifty-six. And how do you know that?
2: Because I memorized it from the times table.
0: (laughs) What about 6 times 8? 48. 7 times 9? 63. 6 times 9? 54. Okay. All right. Well done. Now, uh, do you use math in your job? I do, all the time. How?
2: Oh, I manage a budget for our section. I uh, do quarterly reports for my leadership team. We use math all the time.
0: This is The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. Welcome. My name is Adam Bowen. Joining me are Kristen Wiley and Kim Harris. Kristen grew up with a passion for teaching and learning and started her career as a third-grade teacher. After realizing her undergraduate studies did not prepare her for special populations or struggling students, she focused on teaching reading and supporting English learners and then became a K-8 math specialist. Now, as a National Board Certified Math Resource Teacher, Kristen supports teachers with their mathematics instruction. Kim Harris has been a teacher for more than 20 years and started her career in Florida before moving to Virginia. She has taught students in a residential treatment center and a school seeking accreditation and has a master's in clinical counseling and a doctorate in instructional leadership. This year, Kim is focusing on sixth grade math at Saratoga. Kristen and Kim, thank you for joining me.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Of course. Um, So Kristen, can you start by just telling us what is a math resource teacher?
2: Math resource teacher is a school-based position typically. Um, So it's a teacher within a building who specializes in mathematics and supports teachers and students throughout the building with that learning. In Fairfax County, we also have some math resource teachers who are non-school based, so they support more than one school and travel to different schools to support teachers, um, administrators, coaches, and students with math learning.
0: Awesome. And Kim, as an elementary school teacher, are you able to focus on a particular subject like math or do you have to still teach every subject like when I was a kid?
1: Uh, this year in sixth grade, I primarily focus on math. I teach three blocks of math and then I teach one block of science or social studies. So most of my day is consumed with math
0: and you you looped this year right tell us what that means
1: um that means that last year i taught fifth grade and in fifth grade we did teach all subjects to our students and i moved up with our children into sixth grade
0: awesome um so did you both love math growing up in school were you were you strong in math how did you how did you come to sort of find math as your concentration
2: I loved math growing up uh, and for all of the wrong reasons. I realized uh, that I could quickly memorize algorithms and figure out how to solve problems without actually understanding what was happening and I was okay with not understanding. And it wasn't until I started going into pre-calculus that all of that started to fall apart and math became much more of a struggle. So as a teacher, it was really interesting to me to work with students who it was a struggle for, and that really lit more of a passion for me as an educator to learn more about how should kids be learning math and how do I do this better?
1: I had a similar experience. I loved math as a child. I took every math class that our school offered up to AP Calculus. I went into college um, thinking I was going to be a high school math teacher or a physical therapist, and so I loved it. It came easy. I didn't feel like I was working when I did math.
0: Do you still use some of those lessons that you learned as kids and and when you're teaching class today, no? Or has it changed so much?
1: No, teaching math today is completely different than how we learned it. When I learned math, it was, can you do the procedure? Can you add it? You didn't have to explain why, you didn't have to understand why, you just had to do it. Today, we focus a lot on, do you know why when you subtract that we have to regroup or do you know why when we're multiplying that, you have to uh, group it in a certain way. And, and what's the difference from that change? Why, why
0: do you think it's better this way? Is there a reason we do it now differently than we did before?
2: It's really to build that foundational understanding for application. In today's world, um, with the 21st century skills that we need for problem solving, it's not just about memorizing an algorithm anymore. We really have to be able to problem solve and apply that and identify situations in which we can use math. So without that foundational understanding, for application, it really isn't applying to the needs that we have in the 21st century.
0: And how are we assessing math? Is it still just, you know, you got the right answer? Sometimes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, And that I think becomes the hard part because we want to be able to understand that they know the process and still get the right answer. So a lot of times we're asking, can you show us on a number line or can you show us in a different way how you got that answer rather than did you just get the right answer?
0: And what's the information we're getting? Are students better at math than they were in the past? Are they about the same? Uh, Are these new techniques, are they changing the way students are are learning?
2: I think compared to where we were in the 90s, we're seeing um, a shift, and students are doing better on some of those national tests um, for mathematics. Um, And I I don't feel like a lot of what we're doing is very new. You can find videos of um, some of the big math people like Marilyn Burns back in the 80s, suggesting we should be teaching this way. It's just with the changes in the standards with Common Core, and in Virginia, we have the standards of learning. We're putting more of an emphasis that this is our goal for kids, and that seems to be really driving more of the changes in instruction, which are benefiting um, students for thinking more deeply about math and how it's related to other subjects, not just by itself.
0: Can you go into that a little more? So are you using math in, in, when you're teaching English or science? How does, are you trying to combine the uh, math and weave it into
1: other subjects? I think that that's the ultimate goal is that you are always using the math. And you think about how we use math in our own lives. We don't, we don't just write it all out in the grocery store and try to figure it out. We do estimation. We do, you know, is it about 10, is it about 20? And we make numbers easy for ourselves. So it's what we're doing every day now.
0: Um, so I'm a parent of some young kids. I was wondering if, what I should do to prepare my kids to be successful in math.
1: I think the
2: biggest thing that you can do is tell your kids that they can be great in math and that you love math too. Um, when, you have a, when parents tell their kids, well, don't worry about it. I was bad at math growing up also. It sets them on that negative mindset and that negative track right away not to do well in math. So the biggest thing that you can do is, is be a, a positive role model and an advocate for math with your kids and have fun with it. It's, there's so much fun in mathematics. that gets overlooked sometimes, especially when you, people think automatically of computation rather than math is about relationships and patterns and, having, and noticing how things are related. So spending time with your kids, where can we find patterns outside together? When you play games together, notice, oh, my gosh, you knew that that was a five on the dice so quickly. How did you see it? Helping them highlight and make those connections and really bring math to life for them with that mindset will set them on a road for the rest of their lives.
1: Kim, what do you want to add? I was just say the only thing I would add to that is take time to learn the math as it's presented today, so that you can not only help them but understand all the relationships that they're being asked. So instead of just saying, "I don't know how to do that,"
0: yeah, or that's not how we, how right. I did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, you know, growing up for me, it was a lot about memorization. We've mentioned memorization a little bit. So I'm thinking about times tables. Are are those no longer the best way to do it?
1: I always think that's an interesting question because I remember going to the store once and buying something that was $1.75 and I gave the lady $2 and she was sitting there and she's putting it into the calculator and I'm like, it's 25 cents. It's 25 cents. And she's like, hold on, hold on. And so there was a part of me that was like, okay, a little bit of memorization is not bad, (laughs) but I don't think that that is the ultimate goal of math. The ultimate goal of math is to be able to solve problems. And when we can solve problems, we can find different ways to do that. And it takes away some of that memorization parts. I
2: completely agree. Um, We're in this place where we used to think of fluency meant memorizing our facts. and, And now we know fluency doesn't mean fast fluency is being efficient with your methods and knowing how numbers are related and flexible with them so that you can get to the right answer in a way that makes sense to you. So we've really moved away from this idea of memorization of facts for kids. We still want them to eventually have some automaticity where those start to become natural to kids because they've done three times three so many times they realize it's nine, but we don't wanna say, okay, by the end of third grade, every kid has to know three times three is nine in order to be successful in school. If you don't know three times three is nine, you might say, well, I know three times two is six, and I can add one more group and get to nine. So we really want to help students build their flexible thinking because that's what's really going to build a foundation for them in number sense and computation when they get into
1: much harder mathematical concepts. And I think that that's when some students started failing in math, when they couldn't memorize everything. So we can even just teach them a strategy of drawing lines and if we draw three vertical lines and three horizontal lines and count the places they intersect, there's nine places they intersect. Three times three is nine. and You can use that strategy anywhere, and it doesn't take that much time to do. And if so, if you can't memorize everything, there's other ways to get that answer.
0: So as long as they have another way to get there, then that's okay.
1: Correct.
2: And as teachers, our goal is really to be more of that guide on the side and a facilitator. We're not the sage on the stage telling you how to do it. We want to be there next to the kids, saying, "Wow." you had a really neat strategy for solving this, and look, so did this other student. Let's see what connections we can make together and see how see how these work together. So we're really uncovering the mathematics that students are knowing and applying and building connections for them rather than saying, this is the way you do it.
0: What about incorporating real-world applications? You already mentioned the grocery store a couple times, so I assume that that's really important, right, to to show kids where they can use
1: this math in, in real life? Well, I think that that's kind of the crux of math math instruction is when do we use it? You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, I've never used algebra in my life? My response to that is then you never learned algebra because as you're driving down the road, if you know algebra, then it's an easy process to figure out how long it's gonna be to you get there. So I think that that's the crux, that's why we do it. So I try to connect anything I can to a real life experience.
2: I think that's definitely a huge focus in our classroom these days is answering that why question um, for students, why am I learning this? And why is that important? And building um, their interest in the math that they're learning so they know that this has value in their life. And there's a reason that we're learning it. We were in a meeting today thinking about, well, why do we need the skill of rounding? When are we gonna use that when we get to nine digit numbers? Why do we have to learn how to round to the millions? And one of the things we were thinking about was, well, when you talk about how much you sold your home for, you do round that amount, you don't, you don't say the exact amount that you sold for. So being able to build connections for kids for when they actually use this really helps their investment in their learning.
0: So Kim, what are some of the specific strategies you use here at Saratoga to to get students to learn math and to help the ones that are struggling?
1: When I think of strategies, I automatically think of word problems. And I ask kids to look at what is the action in the word, word problem? What is happening in the word problem? And you know draw a picture about what is happening. So, if you're doing positive and negative numbers and you're trying to add them, if we draw that into a word problem, then it's easier to see exactly what's going on and understanding, well, do I add here or do I subtract here? Um, I think we also use uh, number lines, Um, we use counters, uh, two-color counters um, for distributive property, we use that for, Adding and subtracting integers—that's what we're doing right now—is adding and subtracting integers. So I've got a lot of strategies on that. Um, but anything that can get their mind to see it, rather than just as a number, um, helps the students.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Kristen, how do you, if you're if you're talking to a teacher about math who's not that excited about teaching math, how do you get how do you help them? What are some strategy, strategies you use to get them excited to teach math?
2: I usually want to trying to figure out where their discomfort is and often it's in the content of the math itself. So spending some time together, working through the math and practicing it together. So we've had a couple times to go through a lesson, think about what do we think the students will say? What questions can we ask them if they get stuck? So they've had that dry run already of what is this gonna look like to build their confidence in the math and what students might say because you never know what's gonna actually happen in the classroom. I work closely in a lot of classrooms where I have the opportunities where I might go in and model the lesson first while the teacher's observing and um, and providing me some insights and feedback and then we can debrief together before we start teaching together and then eventually um, the teacher taking over the lessons while I'm observing and providing some feedback. So we have that gradual release working together to build her, the teacher, um, him or her, their confidence
1: in both the content and the instructional strategies. And if I can add that one thing that Kristen does really well is that it's very non-judgmental. It's like they're not, they're not judging you about um, can you do this or can you not. What they're doing is can we find a way to help you get there.
0: And um, what about project-based learning? That's another buzzword that FCPS is focusing on. Um, can you do project-based learning in math?
1: I think you can. I think that that's something that we're still struggling to understand completely and figuring out new ways to do it. But I think allowing children or giving children a project and having them incorporate math in any way, shape or form is a possibility.
0: How do you incorporate technology? That seems That's such a, a big part of, of kids' lives these days. Um, and I, I'm trying to think about how, obviously, you have a smartphone, you got a calculator on there, but what other ways are you using technology to teach kids math?
2: It was great with Google Classroom.
1: <laughs> yeah, we use Google Classroom um, and sometimes do a flipped instruction where there's a video that has the instruction on it. And then my job is to go around and kind of help people um, after they've watched the video to see if we understand the math and how it's worked. Um, when we talk with geometry, uh, sometimes we use Google Maps and we look for shapes and objects um, in the map itself. Uh, we, we use it as like quiz shows sometimes. Um, and then there are some individual learning programs that, the stu- that um, tailor a little bit more to each student directly that we can put them on that too.
0: So what, what makes a good math teacher? What are those, those attributes, those, those skills that make a good math teacher?
1: I think um, a teacher that's willing to be a facilitator, a teacher that is allowing the children to explore the math um, instead of just telling them what to do.
2: Similarly, I think a great math teacher knows that balance of stepping back and being flexible with students because they may take an approach you didn't even think of, but spending the time to understand what was their approach and to get a better gauge of where that student's thinking is being able to have that flexibility and and work with students is what's really gonna be powerful for students. So I think strong math educators bring that flexibility. They have the patience for when students need a little bit more time, even if that's not necessarily in our pacing to work with kids and give them the time that they need for where they are um, to build that. And they also have strong content knowledge because that's gonna be the foundation of how they have that flexibility and that patience because they have the content knowledge to support those students.
1: And I think you have to be energetic and willing to build children up. You have to be willing to take the bad days along with the days where um, the light bulbs are going off left and right. And I think you have to be reflective. You know, if I teach a lesson and the next day none of my students know what we did, then I probably did something wrong. So I have to be able to be, okay, I didn't do the best yesterday, how can I make that up today? What else can I do differently? What other strategy can I find so that the students can succeed? In in your experience, is math one of the
0: scarier subjects for kids or or, or are they mainly excited to learn math or or is it sort of 50-50?
1: I think that depends on the teacher's attitude. When the students come in and if you're trying to scare them and just like you're going to do math the way I learned math and you get militant about it, it becomes extremely scary. But if you have a teacher that has an attitude who's like, hey, we're here to have fun and we're going to do some math learning and we're going to base it off on the things you already know and we're going to grow and we're going to keep growing, it's, it's fun. It's not, it's not scary at all.
2: I do think the mindset shift can be difficult as a culture. We tend to say it's okay to say that you're not good at math, but it's not okay to say you're not good at reading. Um, so you often hit up against that culture sometimes with students. So having the responsibility in the classroom of building mindset for kids and building that positive um, growth thinking around mathematics can be a challenge, and it's going re- it really pays off for students and helping them learn to love math if they
1: don't already. For me, that's my favorite thing about teaching is watching those mindsets change and seeing this whole new world of opportunity open up for every one of my students.
0: And what about the students who don't like math? what are some strategies you use to reach them, to get them
1: excited about math? I think Kristen said it earlier, and it's all about the mindset. You know, when we start with, I hate this, then there's nothing that we're gonna do that you're going to like. But if we can start changing that mindset to, oh, I'm starting to understand, I'm starting to um, get my feet underneath me and starting to build on my knowledge, I think they start turning into liking it because it's a lot of fun. It's hands-on, kids are using manipulatives. Um, So they start to enjoy it.
2: Building connections, I think, is huge. Finding out what they're interested in, building in those connections for them and how mathematics can support them with what their interests are. Um, And also finding fun parts of math to do. There's a lot of great games that you can do that build understanding um, and a lot of reasoning that goes into mathematics that's often overlooked. When kids find that you really value their thinking and how they're applying that, they build some of their their interest starts to peak that wow, I can do this stuff and I and I and I am important. Building that confidence in them is a huge piece.
0: Yeah, how important is is, is play
1: or, or getting up and moving around? Do you do you do that a lot in your class? Oh yeah. Um, I think, well, most of us can't sit in our chair for you know, 60 minutes, and when you have a teacher that's standing in front of the room and they're just writing on the board for 60 minutes, the students, they get bored, and we would get bored. I mean, how many times would we take out our own phones in that situation? So we get the students talking to each other, we get the students up, um, we get them moving around and trying to kinesthetically learn the math um, and not just doing it by writing it down.
2: An instructional focus at Saratoga has been around academic discourse. So how do we intentionally plan for students to be engaged together and talking to each other and challenging each other in a respectful way Mm -hmm. and asking each other questions rather than the teacher leading all of it. So I think a strength um, for us has been our intentional planning together with our teams on our collaborative learning teams. They use math workshop structures and we think about first what's some number sense skill that we can practice throughout the year and across lessons for students as an introduction to our lesson before going into either launching a task or um, having a focus lesson. And then providing opportunities for students to work in small groups with a teacher or with their partners and coming back together at the end to reflect together on what was the learning for the whole class around our learning target of the day and threading throughout all of that, the academic discourse and the expectations for students to be working together and collaborating.
1: And it's great to watch the students collaborating and seeing what they can build on each other's ideas. And they get really creative, and then all of a sudden you start seeing three or four different ways to solve the same problem.
0: So so Kim, if you could just describe your room to me, the different uh, math activities you have on your walls. Uh, I know it's the beginning of the year, but what's it gonna look like when, when the year's over?
1: Um, so at the beginning of the year, normally I just start with a number line up. So this year I have negative 20 to 20 up because we're doing sixth grade math and there. It's the first time they're being exposed to negative numbers. But um, they need to know the decimals, percents, and fractions, and they need to know the equivalents on that. So we work on that by counting the days. And so you can see over on our wall, we're starting to build a number line over there. And we count the days as if it's a penny, so one hundredths. And then, so that is equivalent to 1%. It's equivalent to one over 100. And so we'll build that to go through the entire school year. So if you were to come back um, three months, four months from now, you'll notice they'll look completely different. And we would have many more anchor charts up. Um, what What, what is where, an anchor chart? An anchor chart is a, docu- uh, is a poster that we are creating Um, while we are doing the learning. Sometimes it has student writing on it, sometimes it has teachers writing on it, but it it kind of explains the process or um, it shows different ways that we can model numbers or model procedures. And then you'll see those up around the room, depending on whatever lesson we are learning.
0: Um, So I had a a question about um, one of these, what I hope is a myth, about boys being better at math than girls. Is that a myth? Is there any actual evidence to prove that?
2: Well, you are talking to two female math specialists. Know, right? <laughs> Can't be a coincidence. Be
0: coincidence.
2: <laughs> Absolutely a myth. Um, and some of the research that's been done behind that is that girls want to know why and often that's missing from our math classrooms. Mm-hmm. We don't often give the why does this work and how does this work. And so by high school, girls lose, start to lose interest in math because they aren't getting those foundational questions that they need answered. The boys are willing to keep going, it seems like, without having that answered. So it's this change of instruction that we've been talking about, this shift to really making sure that kids understand what they're learning, connecting it to the real world for why it's important, and highlighting how things work, is really helping support both boys and girls in our math
0: classrooms. How, yeah, how have you, how's it been in your class, Kim?
1: Um, I have females that do very well and males that do very well, and I have the opposite also. So I think it's giving them a new opportunity, understanding that there's a lot of things that they can do and there's a lot of um, employment opportunities in the future that use different kinds of math. And then working to their strengths. If we start with something that they're good at and we build on that strength, then they seem to excel more and more. And then once you start building a little bit of confidence, that mindset starts to change and they start going, I am good at this and I can do this. And then they're off from there. There's no stopping them.
0: That's great. Good to hear. I have a daughter, so I'm happy to hear <laughs> that. Um, so we've talked about how math has changed and how, how we're teaching it today,
1: but how do you think it's going to change in the future? What's, what does, where's math headed? I don't know. Um, that, that's a hard question because I think we prepare students for jobs we can't even imagine. So what will the math look like in those jobs? I don't know what the math will look like. But I, what I do know is that they're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to find different ways to solve problems. That they're going to be have to communicate mathematically as if math has its own language. So they have to be able to communicate that with other people. And I think if we are looking through that lens, then we're preparing them for the future.
2: I'm optimistic that we'll see more collaboration in math yeah. instruction and more technology integration with sharing ideas and making connections and communicating about math and, and more platforms than just paper, pencil, which I think you still see in a lot of classrooms.
0: We've talked about how everyone has a, a calculator in their pocket now. So what happens when these students graduate? How do they, how, do they, how are they using math can't they just Google the answer? What What do you do? Tell them this to get them to believe that they're going to use this. It's going to be helpful.
1: I I think that's a difficult question um, because you know with Surrey and Google you can ask it almost anything and it does give you an answer. So it poses a whole bunch of problems uh, for educations, but it also gives us a lot of opportunities. I think when we connect to real world situations, starting in the elementary school and continue to build that, I think that students are like, I don't need to do that. I, I know how to do it.
2: We let students use a calculator a lot in class and you get a calculator a lot when you take assessments. The calculator doesn't have the answers. You still have to know the path to get to the answer. So that's not, um, that's not always gonna be the piece that can really help you. We have to build in students the problem solving and the reasoning skills that they need to know what's the path to go down and then how can this tool help me get there rather than I have this tool so I don't need to know the path.
0: And so what are some job opportunities out there for students who do love math? What can they expect to do when they graduate? I know some of these jobs we still don't know yet, but just currently right now say a graduating senior or a graduating senior from
1: college is looking to get into a math job, what would that be? Anywhere from accounting to engineering to, um, goodness, I can't think of any job that really doesn't use math at some level. Because um, when you think of math as solving problems, most of our jobs, we have to do that in some way or another. And math is one tool to get us there.
2: Similarly, I was having a hard time thinking of a job where you don't need math. Even um, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to know how do you manage your profit margins? and um, and what are you going to spend on supplies and um, project managers? They have all these pieces with salaries and supporting, um, building all these pieces together. It's hard to think of a job where you don't need math anymore.
0: So, so why why is math important? We've we talked a lot about math. What's this is the big question.
1: Why is it important?
0: Why should kids still be learning it? And I, think I don't we, have a quick
1: response oh. to that. Um, <laughs> I think that math is going to bring some new waves to the future. You know, when you look at the computer technology and what is happening, um, I think math is gonna open up new, new sorts of technology. It's gonna open up new sorts of computers. It's gonna, and I think all of that is gonna be an exploding it somehow. I'm not sure how it works, but I'm, I'm sure math's gonna be involved somehow.
2: Yeah, especially when I think about like computer coding and protecting our country systems. There's still a lot of work in our space exploration. There's still a lot of work to be done with science, technology, and mathematics together where um, we need to be instilling in our kids that this learning is really important and preparing ourselves and our country for the future.
0: That's great. Well, Kristen and Kim, thank you for uh, joining us today and talking about math. Thank
1: Thank you. you. Glad to be here. This interview is produced by the Department of Information Technology, Fairfax County Public Schools.